Hi, and welcome back to the WHVP podcast. In this episode of the podcast, managing partner Jamie Freihoff Torose sits down with Elisa Burkhardt, attorney at law of Flying Lawyers, to discuss migration to Switzerland. They will begin by discussing Elisa's background in migrating to Switzerland and her choice to study law and practice law in Switzerland and then talk about opportunities for Americans wishing to immigrate to Switzerland. They will then talk about the cultural differences between Switzerland and the U.S. Now, let's get into it. Hello and welcome, Elisa. It is a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thanks so much, Jamie. It's really a pleasure to be here. Um, so let's start with just giving our listeners and viewers a little bit of an overview over who you are. Um, we met last year and I've been fascinated by your story and background ever since because you're a very um, international person. You have a, a variety of cultures and, and countries in, in your DNA. So I'd be very um, interested to hearing more about that. And I think that will be quite interesting for our listeners as well. Yeah, sure. So I have, I do have quite an international background, which led me to where I am today and some of the things that I do, which have a connection to the things we'll be discussing in the podcast today. So I was born in Russia uh, and my family emigrated to the U.S. when I was a small child. So I grew up in the U.S., uh, went to NYU, got a degree there. Um, fast forwarding a lot of years, obviously, in the story, and then emigrated a second time to Switzerland uh, for love at the time. Um, uh, like many people do uh, here from the US, which is a topic I guess we'll come to. And I decided to become uh, a lawyer in Switzerland because uh, that's also important for maybe for listeners to know, it's could be a little bit difficult to get through in Switzerland without a real, you know, paper qualifications um, and a real, you know, something that the Swiss can understand what we Americans can do. So I decided to go to law school and uh, law school here is pretty much free, unlike in the US. Uh, so I'm very grateful actually that I was able to have this opportunity here. And I became a Swiss qualified attorney, passed the bar exam um, all in German and started practicing as an attorney at law about six years ago. And uh, since then I've worked at various law firms and I just actually started my own business less than a year ago. Uh, we started our own firm in, in Zurich, and it's been a heck of a ride so far. <laughs> yeah, so from what I've seen, I, I can confirm that you've been very busy. I definitely want to get into more detail with your company and what you've been up to in the past year. But maybe before we do that, um, you can tell us a bit more about what the motivation was for you to study law here, because I think at NYU you studied something different. Was it just because it was um, almost free um, here, or were there other considerations as well? That's a really good question. When I think back on why I studied law and how it actually all happened, I actually can't believe that I ever did it. It was actually quite a crazy idea, and I'm lucky it turned out the way it did. Also, thanks to some, some hard work, I have to admit. But at NYU, I studied political science, and I have a Master of Arts in, in political science. When I got to Switzerland, I realized that a U.S. degree, even a Master's in political science, isn't really something that's easy to find 
um, a job with. So I started looking at websites of Swiss universities, looking at majors to see what I could study in addition or again. And really the only thing that interested me was law. I really can't explain it. That's the only thing that appealed um, and maybe the challenge as well. So I decided to go study law in German, even though my German was not fluent at the time. And I just put a lot of hours into it and a lot of intellectual capacity and energy and it turned out really well in the end. Oh, that's amazing. And I'm really glad to hear that. So tell us about how it turned out in the end. Tell us about Flying Lawyers. I think just, just the name of, of the company that, that you joined or co-founded um, is already quite insightful and interesting. I think that Flying Lawyers is the culmination of everything in my character and my career path that actually led me to, you know, to start that business. It's a, a fully uh, female-owned uh, firm. So we're three female partners, attorneys, Swiss qualified attorneys, and one um, female external counsel. And our kind of mission is basically to transform the way that legal services are provided. So going away from this fixed model of high hourly rates, um, you don't know what you're going to get, someone's just kind of there for small projects, but then going away. We try to be more integrated into our clients' businesses and really to follow them along the entire life path of a business. So that can be corporate law from basically the incorporation of a company until in certain cases, unfortunately, it's liquidation or certain M&A transactions. And for private clients, so for individuals, we offer services in relation to especially immigration law and work permits, but also all kinds of private and professional ventures that they choose to launch in Switzerland. And the goal is to be mobile, flexible. We have a hub, a small office in Zurich, but we really can work from anywhere all over the world. And we offer those services to our clients. You know, we can go to their offices, work remotely, obviously is a big thing right now, but we do have clients that ask us to come once a week or once a month to their office to work with the team. And we also offer um, attractive packages in order to integrate more seamlessly into the client's workforce without being an employee. So that's really a win-win for us and the client. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you have been quite lucky with the concept because you you launched it, the firm was just launched right before the pandemic where this was probably a bit more exotic than, than it is now because right now we're all, uh, well, <laughs> quite remote and flexible. So I think that that was probably working in your favor as well. Um, You're absolutely you right. Yeah. You, you already mentioned that you are also working in the field of immigration law. And I think that's quite interesting um, because you also immigrated here from, from the US. And every now and then, as you know, like we work together with American clients, a lot of them are still residing in the US. Most of them are also planning to, to stay there, but every now and then we get questions from people who are just interested because you hear a lot of stories about Switzerland um, and they're fascinated by the country. And they're just wondering if there are any possibilities for them to migrate here um, and, and if so, how they can go about it and, and how complicated it all actually is. And I think it's uh, fascinating that you not only have the, the law information to provide on that, but also the personal experience and how this process all went down. Yeah, that's it's really interesting that you have clients who, who are interested in coming here. First of all, I have to say that I, I and many of my immigrant friends really love this country and uh, we would encourage any such any such, uh, you know, desires to come to come over here. The, you know, things that speak in favor of Americans emigrating to to Switzerland are that 
let's say the Swiss authorities informally look quite well, quite positively upon applications from Americans looking to move here. That's absolutely, there's no legal basis for that. That's obviously not in any law, <laughs> but it is considered a, let's say a favorable country to accept um, immigration from. And that's obviously because there's a huge pool of specialists in the US, highly qualified workforce uh, members who, who are needed on the Swiss labor market because the Swiss labor market, because it's so small and because um, you know the number of children that people are having is continues to decline, just cannot provide the number of employees, workers that it needs in order to keep up all of the services that Switzerland provides, all the manufacturing, but especially service professions such as financial services and the like also medicine is a big topic so if your uh, if your clients are highly uh, specialized experts in their field in something which is really in demand in switzerland it's going to be possible for them to come uh, over here it's actually going to be quite likely that they'll receive a work permit <laughs> if the if the conditions are fulfilled. So if we if I go back a step and kind of describe the process, we can differentiate between two groups of clients, which we actually also help. There's the high, highly qualified employees, the specialists, and then there are high net worth individuals. For example, Tina Turner is the famous example that people might know who choose to emigrate to Switzerland, not to be employed by a Swiss based company, but just to enjoy life and to, to have their assets here um, in their center of life. So on the corporate side, Switzerland, unfortunately for your American clients has a dual, a dual system, we might call it. Uh, EU citizens and citizens of the European economic area are treated preferentially compared to so-called third country um, citizens, not third world citizens, but citizens of countries from outside the EU. And that means that EU citizens have the right to come here. So a French national, German, etc. Uh, before UK, now not anymore. They're also considered, they're also now in the same box as Americans. So those citizens um, can come here and as long as they have an employment contract with a Swiss employer, they're guaranteed uh, a, a permit unless some really, really exceptional, strange circumstances arise. They can also come and open their own business so they can incorporate a company and start doing whatever, asset management or consulting, anything they want, etc. The situation is quite different for Americans and other third country nationals, uh, Russians, uh, Chinese, Brazilians, everybody else in the world. Here, the Swiss labor market only accepts the highly qualified specialists and the managers. So the employer, the Swiss employer has to submit an application and basically show why this American client of yours is uh, required for the Swiss economy, that the employer was not able to find an EU citizen who could fill that role. And there are special ways that the employer should show that, which we help our clients uh, with to demonstrate that. Um, they really have to look, you can't fake that. So that's quite, uh, quite a hurdle to overcome, but it's doable and other certain other requirements that have to be fulfilled. So really this corporate immigration path is only open to highly qualified specialists. Again, as I said before, in certain sectors, Switzerland just doesn't have people to fill those jobs. So medicine, finance, 
you know, Swiss banks constantly hiring people from outside the EU to serve its clients or in management roles, IT, uh, AI, robotics, telecommunications, all of that. There's just not enough people here. So those employees have a good chance of receiving a work permit, engineering. So really specialized things that, that normally would, would work. But so that means if I can just quickly ask, yeah. first of all, you need to have an employment contract or like a job offer on the table. And then, but even if you have that, there's no guarantee that like the permit is actually going to be granted. The employer will have to be very um, clear and persistent on why they need to hire this person from like outside of the EU. That's correct. Yeah. And yeah. as, as you said, yeah, they have to show why they couldn't, they have to show that they couldn't find anyone from the EU um, to fill that role. And if I may give a, a tip to your audience, it's very important that the American employee not be made the offer before the EU citizens are looked for. If you do it the wrong way around, that's going to mean that it was a fake search and the application will be rejected. So you really have to go through that process. But again, it's, you know, it's doable. And if you have a great candidate from the US, um, I would encourage your clients to try to apply for the work permit because it's really looked upon quite favorably by the authorities here. And so how about the, like the high net worth route um, that Tina Turner took, for example? Tina Turner uh, took advantage of the lump sum taxation system in Switzerland. That's a way for EU citizens as well can take advantage of it, but mostly it's used by, again, the American and, and Russian and Brazilian nationals who want to come to Switzerland. There's about four and a half thousand people uh, on that who have received work permits and are living in Switzerland right now based on it. And it's basically, how should I put this? It's uh, Switzerland's fiscal interest in having those people here. So Tina Turner, I have no idea what her what her income uh, and her assets are. I suppose they're quite significant. Um, and Switzerland is interested in taxing uh, in taxing her. So uh, someone like her, but it doesn't have to be that much. It also works <laughs> with less. Can submit an application to be taxed according to this special system. I won't get into the details because it's a bit boring. But uh, if you have, let's say, if you have enough, you can come here on the basis of how much you're going to contribute financially to the Swiss uh, to the Swiss tax system it's really it's really as simple as that you also have, have to have an, you know do you have like an approximate minimum number of like what would be considered enough for that to make like for this right to make sense for an application to make sense that's a really good question. People ask that a lot. There are minimums in the cantonal laws and in the federal laws. Like in the US and Switzerland, there's taxation on a federal level and then on local levels. So each canton, as we call the, the regions of Switzerland, they have their own minimum thresholds. So it's going to be between normally on average about 500,000 um, Swiss francs uh, per year, which would be the tax base for the income tax. And uh, as for the assets, it's calculated as a multiplier of that. Again, as a tip to the audience, it's 
it's the case that for non-EU nationals, those thresholds are informally supposed to be higher for non-EU citizens. So this 500,000 base, for example, in the canton of Zug, uh, it would have to be higher than that for an American as a rule in order to get the permit. But that's not set in stone either. It's a little bit of a, um, it's an application process and the, and the negotiation almost with the tax authorities. You just also brought something up that's quite interesting in, in a different sense with uh, the cantons that we have here that are very similar um, to the states in the US. So maybe we can also talk a little bit about um, how maybe culturally, but also from the systems, um, Switzerland and the US are similar, how they have a lot of things in common, and maybe also um, some of the ways that they differ, I think also from a law perspective, that's probably interesting, but again, uh, also from your personal experience having lived in both countries. There are, that's, you know, it's a good point. I, I've never really thought about how, how similar the cantons are to, to the states. I think there are, there are certainly similarities in that each canton does have to a certain extent its own laws, just like in the US, the, the, the laws are actually can be very different from state to state, even even criminal sanctions. And then there's also this level of federal of federal law which applies. In Switzerland, it's bit more actually it's much more uniformized. There's a lot more federal law than uh, than in the U.S. There's a, in the U.S. There's a lot more state law, and that makes it easier, I would say, for residents of of Switzerland to you know also when moving between cantons between our states to to figure out what's going to apply because things are not going to be hugely different. Uh, one really relevant example for me is the admission to the bar. In the US, every state has its own admission to the bar. So if you move from New York to California, you have to go through the process of getting admitted to the bar there. In Switzerland, uh, if you're admitted to the bar in Zurich, you're admitted to practice in any canton and you can change your place of residence uh, and, and be a practicing lawyer anywhere. It's even possible theoretically to be a lawyer in Zurich and go to court hearings in Geneva uh, in French and defend your client's interests there, although clearly it's not often done because people <laughs> usually don't speak the language well enough, uh, but there are, there are people who, who do it. And otherwise, huge differences. One similarity to the US state system is taxation. So huge differences in the amount of income tax, which is, uh, which is charged uh, you know, for example, New York, uh, enormous income taxes, depending on where you live, and Florida, zero, right? Uh, and in Switzerland, the differences can be uh, quite as, quite as uh, you know, as big, except there's no Swiss canton, which charges 0% income tax that doesn't <laughs> exist in Switzerland, unfortunately. Okay, interesting. And if someone um, does, is able to jump through all the hoops that, that are needed, to, to move to Switzerland, how are ways to, um, I don't know, integrate into the country, get acquainted with like Swiss friends um, and, and just find your place uh, over here? What, do you have some recommendations or tips or things that um, might be helpful for someone who has never lived in Europe or Switzerland more specifically? Yeah, definitely. Uh, people, you know, ask that all the time, and it's a huge topic of conversation among expats, especially when I came here. It was it was a huge thing. A bit easier for me because I went to I went to college with Swiss 
students. I was the only foreigner in my in my class of 200. So obviously all my friends were Swiss from the very beginning. And for someone who, you know, for an expat who arrives, let's say working at Google as a manager, working in English all day with an international team and a lot of maybe other Americans, that's going to be a, more of a challenge. Clearly, you know, getting in touch with any Swiss at your workplace is probably the easiest way for, for most people. Some might say that's not so easy because the Swiss are famous or infamous for being reserved, uh, modest, and a little bit cold. I don't necessarily agree with that in all respects, but that's the general stereotype. There is some, let's say, some truth to it. Uh, on the other hand, there's the stereotype that Swiss people are extremely loyal, hospitable, willing to go out of their way for you as long as you kind of get into their circle. So that's the, you know, the other side of the coin with the reservedness. At the workplace, in any clubs that, that you can join, there's a huge amount of, of, of various hobby, you know, groups and clubs. German class, um, I've, had people go on outings actually with the German class and there's also classes where you can exchange you know with Swiss kind of a language exchange German uh, English or French English if you're living in a French speaking part and really um, I think that that last point learning the language is the key to integration in Switzerland it's really I've observed that all my friends who haven't learned the language don't manage to integrate with Swiss people really, really barely or not at all. And those that do it, they're more accepted. And obviously, they have more opportunities to interact with Swiss because in general, the level of English in Switzerland is very high, but not with all people. And not everyone wants to speak English with you all the time. So if you can meet you know, Swiss friends on their own language level, that's really appreciated and really can help your integration. One thing that I'm just personally curious about, um, how was like your approach to Swiss German? Like I know, like I, I know you personally, so I know you understand Swiss German and, and your German is also excellent. But I, I've always wondered that if you're coming from a place far away, um, it seems to be quite a challenge because even if you do speak and understand like high or regular German, I think it can still pose a little bit of a challenge, which is what I see with some German friends that I have where German is their mother language, but they still struggle to understand me if I speak the way I, um, well, learned to speak growing up. Yeah, I, I have a, a very unpopular approach to this question. Uh, and I, I tell this to all my friends, American, German, any, any country, also French speaking Swiss people who learn German but don't understand Swiss German always. And my approach is basically stop whining and learn. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. really... It's, I, it's really linguistically possible uh, to learn to learn high what they call high German, which is a horrible, horrible term from a Swiss perspective, but to learn uh, German, which is spoken in, in Germany, 
And then on that basis to begin to understand Swiss German, it's just linguistically a fact that it's possible. So the Americans will go to German class, which you must do really, really just do it from the very beginning. It'll make your life easier. Um, if you're the German speaking part, you learn a, you know, a good basic level of, of German. And then you have your Swiss friends speak only Swiss German to you. And I promise you within a few weeks, or at the most a few months, you're going to understand 75% of what's said or 99% of what's said. And uh, just don't be, don't, don't be afraid. Stop whining and just <laughs> <laughs> Okay, tough love approach to, to language barriers. I yeah. think. <laughs> um, so maybe we can end uh, with, with a, again, a more personal question on like what were some of the, the things that positively or negatively surprised you about Switzerland as a country or as like a society here? Um, some of the things you didn't expect. A lot of things. Uh, <laughs> in general, Swiss culture and US culture, you know, they're not that different. We're not talking about two countries with a completely different approach to life and law and, and all of that. There's tons of similarities. So don't get your, you know, your clients shouldn't get scared away by, by these portrayals of Switzerland as a, a reserved and a different country, there's way more similarities than differences. So that's the first thing to keep in mind, to keep an open mind. But there are differences, some positive from an American perspective, some negative. I always tell the same story. Uh, remember, you know, as a, as a US resident going to the DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles, in order to get a driver's license or update your license or change your license plates. And remember waiting one, two, three hours in line at the DMV before your ticket uh, came up and you could do it. In a Swiss DMV, you walk up, there's probably maximum one person in front of you in line. There are plenty of people waiting to serve you, very polite, easy, in and out within five to 10 minutes. I mean, this is, <laughs> and this for me is just an anecdote which shows the great organization in Switzerland. And it's really, it's really true. There are normally, there are always exceptions, but normally there are no big administrative bureaucratic issues here. You know, things just work. You get your health insurance, you get, you, you pay your taxes, um, you submit simple forms to, 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 to do this or that. You can talk directly to the authorities. Like if you have a question about your taxes, you're doing them yourself. You can actually call the tax authorities and ask them a question about something uh, that, you have, that you want to know. And they will talk to you personally for as long as you need and answer your questions. So yeah, this is the, the, the great organization, I guess, because it's a, a much smaller country, it's easier to, to manage. And there are resources, you know, there are budgets um, and no huge budget deficits normally to, to provide those services. That's a huge, uh, a huge plus. Like, and that, you know, also reflects on personal relations. Things here are more are slower let's say from a u.s perspective the pace of life is slower uh in a good and in a bad way you could look at it both ways the work-life balance is really really different than in the u.s and at the same time some americans find here that it's a little bit maybe too relaxed for them, but it depends on what company you're, you're working at or what else you do uh, with your life. You might 
hate it or love it. I think those are some important differences between U.S. and Switzerland. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. So before we let you go, maybe share with our uh, audience where they can find you if they have any more questions about any of the topics that you just covered, um, if they're interested in, in migration or any of the other areas that you mentioned during our conversation. Where can they go? Where can they find out more about you and your company? I think the easiest place to find us is uh, is online and by email because we're traveling around so much too <laughs> on client matters and also just with this mobile working concept that you never know whether you'll find us at our hub in Zurich or on a business trip in Paris or in New York or working remotely from some desert island or something like that. So probably the easiest is to go to our website, which is www.flyinglawyers.ch, spelled exactly how it sounds, and then get our contact information uh, from there and I'm obviously more than happy to answer any questions formally or informally about the things we talked about in the podcast today. Wonderful thank you so much we'll definitely also put that into the show notes so if you didn't catch that you should find the link there as well. Thank you again so much for your time it was a pleasure speaking to you and I'm looking forward to the next time we can catch up in person. Thanks a lot Jamie I'm really looking forward to take care. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of the WHVP podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and found it informative. If you would like to check more about Elisa Burkhardt and Flying Lawyers, check them out at their website at flyinglawyers.ch. If you want to learn more about WHVP and what we do, check us out at whvp.ch or Find us at any of our social media handles on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, or YouTube by simply searching WHVP. Have a good rest of your week.